You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hey, everyone. If you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10. That's podcast10 to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. And now to the top analysis of today's markets. Are investors too complacent about inflation? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Tony Greer, editor of The Morning Navigator. Hi there, Tony. I was just asking you if you recovered from your epic AMA, a beer with Tony Greer the other day. Um, it seems like you have. That was a lot of fun. I didn't realize how much fun it was going to be. Um, I really enjoyed interacting with so many people about so many different things that it was really, really fulfilling and fun exercise. I'd love to do that again. Yeah, we have the smartest viewers, I always say, um, as you can tell from the questions we got, but you were kind of watching the live stream. So it goes without saying, if you have any questions for Tony today, you know what to do. Go ahead and drop them in that chat, or you can tweet us at Real Vision. So we got a CPI number. We seem to be getting really geared up for these inflation readings, Tony, and economists sounded pretty concerned about it after the fact. Um, you know, we saw half a percent increase on the month on month and a six handle steer still on that year over year. But the market kind of bounced around a little bit and then seemed to kind of trade right through it. What, what were you watching today? What was on your radar? You nailed it, Maggie. You know, to me, very quickly, very shortly after the number came out, that was as bang in line as, you know, you could have sliced it up really. And really, there was nothing to chew on for the people looking for a blowout inflation number on the upside. There was nothing to chew on if you were looking for inflation to really collapse. Um, you know, so the market has thoroughly digested this data as it has been presented by this sort of analysts a while ago, and that's what we got. So, you know, in my opinion, what happens then is the market gets back into the cadence that it was in before the data came out. And if you ask me, you know, so there's some really interesting tells on the tape. You know, tr treasuries remain in their downtrend. U.S. two-year um, yields stretching to new highs today. Suddenly, we're 15 basis points from the high of the move in two-year yields. 10-year mm. uh, yields just put in a spectacular holding pattern at moving averages and are recovering their trend higher on a day like today, which is really, really relevant. Um, the curve is imploding. Curve twos, tens is now minus 86 basis points. Um, don't look for me, don't look to me for advice. I've never seen it trading this level, so I have very little experience trying to even conjure what this means other than a continuation of nonlinear chaos mm -hmm. that we've been seeing. Um, yeah, that's that's a really good point. And listen, I am gonna I am gonna flag that I had a really really fascinating conversation with Nancy Davis today from Quadratic, who had a lot of things to say about the bond market, about yields. And you're right, we haven't seen this. I mean, nobody knows what to make of this. Um, there's some crazy charts about this, um, and uh, and she's concerned about it. So we're gonna we're gonna have that interview out next Monday. I really encourage everyone to have a listen to it. I learned a, an awful lot from her today. But yeah, it seems like 
Um, it seems like the market is, you know, everyone's sort of looking for direction. Everyone's bracing for something to happen. And there's, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be that anyone knows what the catalyst is going to be. It's kind of a tough environment. You know, it's really tough. It's the toughest we've seen it, but some of the things that have been, you know, consistent, you know, the, the, the equity market doesn't want to go down right now. I feel like there's a lot of people betting against it and betting on a recession still. Um, so that's one of the factors, you know, it looks like a lot of people spent a lot of money on volatility premium in the last several weeks and months. And that includes retail traders right up to Carl Icahn. And we're not rooting for or against anybody. We're just noticing that a lot of that option premium is going to expire close to worthless if things don't change super fast. As in when we get the PPI number on Thursday. You know, if that's not the upside surprise, in, you know, to cause some volatility, that volatility, that option premium is toast. The VIX continues to bleed, you know, closing out on the lows today. Um, and commodities look pretty buoyant today. So there's there's a lot of trends that are, are really getting shaken up after this number and kind of just getting back into the mode that they were in before the number. So mm. that's something to look out for. Do we have uh, options expirations? Is it is that this Friday? I think we have an options expirations coming up, which is only going to make all of those points uh, yeah, I think more that, relevant. I think, that's, I think that's next week, but I could next be week. Okay, yeah, no, I know, I know it's in the, it's it's in the in the next on the kind of calendar. So um, yeah, I'm not positive. I stay away from options, as you know, Maggie, but I should know that date either way. No, that's okay. I just know when we were looking at there's like a litany of things coming, and that's one of them. Whether it's this Friday or next Friday, we'll figure it out. But um, what what talk about talk to me a little bit about what's happening in commodities, Tony? Because um, we did see, um, you know, we, it's been in a downtrend, but we did see a lot. And a lot of people sort of been asking, and we're probably going to get this question for you today. Um, are we bottoming here? So what, what part of the commodity market are you looking at? Because we had news on a couple different fronts. Yeah, for sure. For sure, Maggie. Uh, I, you know, let's start, let's start with uh, natural gas today, I guess, right? That rallied 8%. You know, that's really relevant in that natural gas just went from 11 to two and a half dollars and finally stopped imploding. You know, and and if you would have said to a lot of energy traders, you know, that natural gas is going to be on a straight line down while, you know, there's natural gas infrastructure as in pipelines getting blown up and, you know, um, we're heading into the dead of winter here and there's still an administrative attack on supply and that's still the, the commodity is going to be in a nosedive south. You know, it tells me that people might have gotten a little bit over their skis long the commodity, right? And so now we'll see an overshoot on the downside into this low two dollar range. And man, if it stabilizes here, this is going to be this could be the tip of the commodity spear in the for the next couple of months if it decides to have a retracement trade. So you know, natural gas can retrace from two and a half to seven and still be a massive sale. But God, what that would do to the grain complex and to the whole entire commodity complex at large, you know, it would really set it flying. So that's something to keep an eye out on. And when I combine that, the natural gas situation with the upside potential it has with the fact that the Biden administration just announced another 26 million barrels of SPR mm. that are going out for sale. And I look over at the oil market and it has given back approximately a buck and a quarter of the 8% rally that it posted last week on that SPR release news. 
man, if I was betting on oil to go down and I got that reaction from the SPR news, I would be looking for the exit very shortly. So we'll see if that becomes the case in the oil market and she continues to kind of cover her way up through the moving averages. But to me, that's kind of a low hanging fruit trade for this year that I've got a close eye on. Both of those, both both energy commodities right now are set to rally in the short term. So I'm, I'm kind of looking for that to pan out on the screens. We'll see if I'm right. Yeah, I, I noticed you're saying rally in the short term. Um, so it's not clear if this is just a retracement or the start of something bigger. No, not at all. You know, crude oil, I've been saying that um, as bullish as I am, I'm not long a contract to crude oil yet. In fact, I just lost money being long contracts of crude oil. Um, I'm going to keep taking stabs at this at this trade as long as, you know, broadly speaking, the obvious attack on supply remains. But more specifically speaking, as long as oil looks like it wants to bottom at these levels in the low 70s, mid 70s, as long as the spreads hold in here, as long as the calendar holds in here, as long as crack spreads remain firm and the equity market is holding its place. I mean, the, the, the crude oil market has a real chance to go explosive up through the moving averages. So I just needed to do something to actually break the rules that it's been going sort of going down on. Right. Yeah. It's been checking every technical box in the book on this move lower until just recently when it started to consolidate sideways. So until we see it start checking some reversal boxes, there's nothing for me to do but sit here and watch and make sure that I've still got the story intact. But you know, when, when I look over it, um, you know, the CEO of Saudi Aramco saying that you know he sees this attack on supply as being a threat to energy security. And the fact that Saudi Ramco is not going to be in that camp of cutting down investment in the fossil fuel industry, I feel like those guys are skating to where the puck is going now. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this market pans out. But the energy market is definitely quietly in play right now. Yeah, I like that skating to where the puck is. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Um, so uh, you partially answered this, I think, but Jim asking, um, NatGas was up 8.6% today. Do you see that trend continuing with greater exports of domestic natural gas? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just looking at price action right now because that's mm. been the ruler, right? I mean, there's been nothing to look at. There's, there's been everything to look at for support in natural gas, and you can still look at flat price and watch it drop like a rock. Mm -hmm. So till that dynamic stops, that's what I'm hanging my hat on. And so days like today where we start at the lows, and trade straight up and have an 8% rally day. And it's about the sixth or seventh time natural gas has traded up and down through this 250 range. Now, at least we can make a case that we should be sitting up in our chairs looking for this thing to reverse. And like I said, there's so much room on the upside that it's going to be really, really tempting if it starts feeding on itself. 
And are you watching for the commodity, the move in the prices in the commodity itself first? And what's the relationship between producers? Yeah, you know, well, the producers have been a tremendous tell lately, Maggie. There's no telling what they're going to do if natural gas starts rallying, because you look at stocks like Swanee that have backed off like Southwestern Energy and a lot of the other natural gas producers charts look the same where you saw natural gas go from 11 to $2 and the chart gets utterly decimated. And, you know, stocks like Southwestern Energy back off from seven to six or from seven to five and a half and they consolidate there while natural gas nosedives that last three or $4. So that stands to reason now that if natural gas starts rallying again, those stocks are set up to start exploding because they built themselves such a really, really, you know, technical launch pad lately that, you know, if you look over at XOP and some of the other, you know, broader indices, you can see that, you know, if natural gas names start picking up the pace and catching up with ExxonMobil and names and Marathon Petroleum, that these sectors could be off and running. And, and all they're going to do is finally catch up to the leading sectors on the year, right? Right now, energy is definitely, you know, underperforming the S&P and underperforming you know, the year-to-date leaderboard, which includes semiconductors and airlines still, believe it or not. So for them, it'll just be catching up to the pack. Mm. We have um, we have fantastic comments. First of all, uh, Christopher says Expos this Friday. Thank you, Christopher. February seventeenth. Somebody else said, and Oliver letting us know that Airbnb beat on profit and revenue. So thanks all for keeping us up to speed while we have a million screens open. Um, we have a couple. We're going to stay with the commodity. Uh, space because we have a couple of other questions about that. And Paul asking, Tony, are you bullish like Cuppy on offshore drilling like VAL and TDW, excuse me, TDW? I'm extremely bullish to space. Um, I'm not a single stock specialist at all in the class that Cuppy is. So please take that into account when discussing this with me and with him and Maggie, you know, um, like I said, I'm aware, you know, I kind of look to the kingpins of the sector to get my news on how the sector is doing. And the last, I remember digging into Schlumberger earnings, I remember saying like, wow, I gotta look for an entry point in oil services names. Um, and then you've got those drillers, um, excuse me, those ENP names, Tidewater, you know, they're obviously gonna be set up for success. So many of them have, have, have cut their balance sheet and de-risked so much in the last five years that, you know, they only have upside once the oil price starts going. So yeah, I'm, I'm bullish, you know, I'm bullish across the board. It's hard for me to decide whether I'm more bullish refiners or oil services from day to day. But I think as long as you've got exposure across the entire sector, you're doing the right thing. And just remember, you're still not in the sectors that the S&P is really valuing just yet. So That's a worm worm that's going to have to turn because we're still lagging talking about all this bullish stuff. Yep. I was just going to say that. The other thing is we're talking a lot about, um, you know, the U.S. uh, and uh, we're talking a lot about price action. We're talking about U.S. tapping reserves. Haven't mentioned China, the China reopening at all. Um, I know Andreas has been digging into this and doing a ton on this, but is that a fundamental story that you're watching at all? Or are you just going to keep kind of keeping an eye on that price action for, for your signals right now? Same, Maggie. I, you know, I stick to price action for my signals right now. You know, I'm never going to feel like I've got an accurate handle on what the hell's going on in China or their economy. You yeah. know, I, I kind of watch how the narrative filters out and then peters out through the news stream and see how the market's reacted to it. 
you know, it looks like we're definitely discounting some type of, you know, restart activity from China. It looks like it might have been a popular idea coming out of the start of the year and natural resources had a big pullback because everybody thought it was going to be off to the races. And now it looks like they're finally riding the ship and, and getting back into rally mode. So that's one. That's just the way that I'm looking at that. That's fair. Mm. That's fair. Totally fair. So question from Trillionex on copper. What's your view on copper, Tony? I think Raul was asking you about copper in the AMA as well. What yeah. are you looking at there? You know, in the, in the big picture, Maggie, I stay super constructive because I'll never forget spending the last six months of last year watching copper pound that 6,500 level, which was the old highs from 2018 on the LME. When I see that price action filter out after six months and the copper price hold in and resume its rally, recover its moving averages, I know big picture I can stay technically bullish until it gives up all of those technical gains. So, you know, what's funny is if you go to hashtag copper um, on Twitter and you start reading down some of the notes and charts and, and data points that people put in there, you have to reach for a bib and, and start wiping up your chin because you start <laughs> salivating at how bullish the fundamental supply side picture for copper is, you know. So with that kind of story in your back pocket and with price action agreeing, maybe not every day, but broadly speaking, it's doing the right things. Easy for me to stay in the metal space, right? In the metals and mining, I've said, is, is my favorite space this year. Um, today, we got great confirmation of that. And, and, you know, XME is the big leader on the day today, but we got good confirmation where Cleveland Cliffs reported had an outside reversal day higher, right? Open lower, so buying from bell to bell. And it's now springing Cleveland Cliffs away from a big support level. So to me, it looks like that sector wants to get back on its, on its uh, feet again and start running. So that's a good sign. Um, and so there's a lot of things going on in the metal space that let you remain bullish. And it looks like price action is starting to guarantee once again, even though we're in sec talking about sectors that are lagging the S&P on the year, I think, you know, S uh, XME, I think, is still above the S&P, but not in the lead on the year. Yeah. is it, And are we counting gold in that as well? Uh, yeah, well, there's a lot of gold miners in XME. So you can include that. You can call that a, uh, you know, an all out precious and industrial metals and mining ETF. I think it's fair. It's probably more industrial weighted with a yeah. bunch of steel companies in it and iron ore. So, you know, you got to carve it up and do your own research. This is a really interesting question. Um, and it's, it's such a sign of the times, isn't it? Oliver saying question for Tony. Chat GPT says it's time to go long Tesla. Is it correct? <laughs> oh my God, Tesla's a big name on the leaderboard today. A two sigma rally, a seven and a half percent extension right up through all the resistance um, that everybody thinks it's going to fail. Uh, man, you know, there's a big down and back in Tesla from 185 to 100 and back through 185. That's sort of conspicuous looks of a bear trap to me. Mm. You know, and it's hard for me to get too bearish Tesla. I'm pretty neutral here because it's kind of rallied all the way back into resistance, right? But you got to look at it and say, you know, okay, if it gets back up above the 200 day at 225, man, you know, that's going to incur a lot more short covering. That whole down and back episode seemed to have, you know, a little bit of Musk fingerprints on it mm -hmm. where he might have been selling Tesla to finance Twitter on the way down and then propping it back up you know, on the way back up, like, I'm not sure what went on, you know, the Tesla specialist will tell you much better than I will. But 
that's a conspicuous V bottom to me that I don't want to be battling too hard on the downside again, you know? So we'll see what happens, but I hate to get, I don't get permanently bullish or bearish Tesla ever. Yeah, it sort of has its 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 own dynamics, doesn't it? But yeah. the, the, the chat GPT thing is interesting, isn't it? I mean, that's the, you know, that's that's a force that we've got to reckon with now. I guess that's gonna that's gonna move stuff around. It's interesting until you ask it about something partisan, and then you realize that it's just another program. Exactly. Um, it's a question uh, from Nathan. Also interesting, is this a new bull market? It feels like everyone, I'm assuming you mean in equities, Nathan, it feels like everyone is hating this rally and things just go up and up. Man, I feel like you, I really do. You know, um, I still feel like at some levels we're working out of the negative sentiment bubble that we were in when the market was actually pounding its lows last fall. Um, I think that's when it was, right? Let, yeah, I, I think it was October or something, wasn't it? We traded down to 3,500 and back up to 3,600 in the same day. That was the bottom. Um, yeah, that was October. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely in the fall. Um, to me, that was sort of the, the negative sentiment bubble, like getting so big that everybody was in, it lured everybody in. And then, you know, we've had fits and starts on the way out. But I feel like still we're working our way out of that bubble and we worked into another negative recession bubble. Right. Like no matter what, like no matter what, it's I still get the, the feeling that people are bearish the S&P because a recession is pending. Mm -hmm. And not only do I not agree with that line of thinking necessarily, but, you know, let's try to remember that the stock market is a super forward looking market. And if you ask me, it was staring at a recession in the face when it printed that thirty five hundred low last fall. And so the more you talk about recession, the more the S&P says, yeah, I remember those days. That was last year. Yeah, right? exactly. And so, you know, and so with all the, the, you know, this year, all of a sudden semiconductors come alive and they're at the top of the leaderboard. Social media is short covering like mad to the point that it may have actually blown itself out on the downside. And if you see those two sectors get going on the upside with, you know, large cap stocks leading the rallies. You know, I don't know what the bear's plan is, because at that point, the indices are all up and gone and you have to look at all the trends resuming, you know, so it gets really, really hairy. And uh, I'm not going to make a call one way or another. But I mean, my meter on whether or not a new bull market has started is sort of right down the middle, you know, like, you know, 45, 55 percent chance. And uh, I kind of swing back and forth every day. So we'll see what happens. But the more price action does what it does today, the more chance it looks like a bull market's coming. So Yeah, and, th and that's a point a lot of people have been talking about. You can hate it and you cannot feel good about it, but it's hard to, you know, it's hard to ignore some of what's happening in the price action. I, I want to run a clip from an interview that Raul did with David Dredge. He's the CIO of Con Convex Strategies. And they were just talking about really the difficult environment we're in um, and how you've got to sort of try to navigate this uh, and, and, what he calls, what really David calls profiting from the unexpected. Let's have a, a listen to that clip. And so we're in the business of solving the compounding problem by creating convexity in people's portfolios, by changing portfolios so that they perform the best when you're wrong, when unexpected things happen, as opposed to performing the best or targeting their best performance at the expected outcome, right? As it turns out, not surprisingly, Things that are expected to happen 
rarely, rarely have asymmetric returns. Things that are not expected to happen, whether they're, you know, exploding higher private equity tech stocks or Amazon or whatever, or bus and sharp volatility correlation spikes, those things, if you construct a portfolio that benefits from them to, again, Nassim's terminology that's anti-fragile, uh, will compound far, far better. And you get far superior you know, risk-reward dynamics in a, in a you know, multi-cycle investment portfolio. And that full interview is available on the website. You can scan the QR code or hit the link to figure out how to join if you haven't already. Um, but it, it does seem like these are very complex times, Tony, when people are trying to figure out how to navigate this stuff. Yeah, it was. It was interesting to listen to that clip, Maggie, right? And, and can you imagine, like, you know, being smart enough to have risk on um, when the unexpected happens and to be capturing it the right way? Yeah. I mean, that's another level of brain power. I usually capitalize on, um, you know, market blowups by being flat when they happen. So it's really wild to hear people that are trying to position for the unknown, you know, so that's uh, it was an interesting angle on trading perspective there. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's and, and it is complex, but it's things we need to pay attention to um, and dive into because there are more and more retail people playing in some of these instruments that are available, maybe not to the extent that David is. But, you know, once you have that happening, then I think we all need to to pay attention. Um, so certainly worth it. Ralph just mentioning that he watched it. So um, well worth everyone going through. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You've got a couple more questions I, I want to try to get through um, in the little bit of time we have left, Tony, and one of them. <laughs> is, um, oh, uh, this is such an interesting one. What do you think isn't being talked about enough? Well, we can go any direction with I that. I know, it's kind of a hard one, but it's a good one. Yeah, since it's, our, since it's in our wheelhouse, we can, we can start with this one as being what's really not being talked enough is the fact that it looks like the Biden administration blew up the Nord Stream pipeline, according to Seymour Hirsch. So if you want to talk about what's really not being talked about enough, that's something that is a major deal, and it's right in our energy wheelhouse. So it's worth mentioning. Yeah. Right? And that's something that's not being talked about enough. In well, you know what's not being really discussed is geopolitical risk in the way that in the way that it dominated so much, but we still have war raging. We still have now things being shot out of the air every five seconds that everyone's trying to get their head around. And so there there the geopolitical risk is still out there. But the again, the, have the markets just are they just looking through it? Have we just gotten too complacent about that? Yeah, clearly, Maggie. I mean, we're definitely too complacent about that. The thing about, you know, in my opinion, being in a fifth generation warfare is that you're kind of numb to these like, you're, you know, one off occurrences that are, you know, tragic and horrible, but, you know, far enough away from you that you think that you're safe for now, you know, like the train derailment in Ohio. 
you know, and, and what a horrible tragedy. And, you know, there's there's people that are suffering immediately and that have to evacuate. Right. If you're there, there's just that much toxin in the air. And I don't know enough about it at all. And I'm the last expert on this topic by 100 miles. But, you know, to me, when you see, you know, we could we catch China flying a spy balloon over our country and then we have multiple train derailments the following week. And, you know, man, I you know, who knows what's pulling what lever out there. But I don't I feel like the, that commodity risk during a period of resource nationalism is dramatically underpriced on the upside. Yeah. yeah. So so a really uh, good point. Yeah, I just feel like I just feel I wake up every day expecting to see. Um, you know, a commodity hockey stick higher because of, you know, an international event that went on. And every other morning I expect it to be WTI. So we'll see if that ever does happen. But man, you know, the, it doesn't look like this conflict in Ukraine is getting, you know, we're not easing the tension there certainly anytime soon. And so I'm just amazed at how cheap some of these commodities are given that geopolitical conversation. So maybe that is something that we're not talking about enough. Yeah. Um, we're going to, I'm going to catch up with Peter Zahan again in a couple of weeks to, um, so it's almost been a year since we sat down and talked and, um, we're going to, I'm going to catch up with him and get some of his thoughts. So we'll, we'll put that back in focus, certainly here at Real Vision. Uh, one, I want to squeeze one last question in about commodities because there are two that we haven't talked about. Um, and this is from G Blackburn on the site is platinum and palladium downtrends set to continue. Man, everybody's asking me about platinum group metals lately. Literally, oh, that, that, that in itself is interesting. Why is that? Yeah, you know, put it this way. I haven't even looked at the chart because for me, there's so much opportunity in trading the oil market, the energy stocks, the S&P, things that are all, you know, proving themselves out with price action, et cetera, that it's hard to, to pivot into that market. Mm. Um, it's, in it's interesting that everyone's asking about it. Every time something like that happens, I'm, I always think of Jared's, you know, crowded uranium trade. Um, but, you know, I, uh, G, G Blackburn, fill us in on, on why, what it is that, um, and, um, and there's some chatter about that um, amongst some of the viewers about that. So we'll have to get to the bottom of why everyone's, why everyone's asking about that. I mean, you know, you look at platinum and, you know, platinum just did what gold did you know, only more dramatically, you know, and it, mm -hmm. as rates started springing higher, platinum got crucified from, you know, 1100 back to 950, right? So I guess the idea is do you buy the dip down here. It's, uh, it's, you know, into the moving average support that it broke away from. Technically speaking, it looks fine, but like I could think of a thousand more appealing trades than, than trying to, you know, figure out I don't have any edge in platinum group metals. So I don't know if other people do or if they've figured it out. Um, but I ask a lot of people when they ask me about palladium, have you ever seen palladium? And the answer is always no. And palladium is basically like either in pellet or like dusty rock form that comes in a barrel. And so like when I can barely get my arms around, you know, how and when and where it's used in burn, I know it goes into catalytic converters, et cetera. And I'm sure it's a great trade idea. Um, I just don't focus on things that aren't, you know, immediately liquid and, and mm -hmm. you know, when there's things that are liquid that are flying around and kind of, you know, totally uh, in the wheelhouse of a guy that trades with my kind of time frame. So forgive me if I'm not up to speed on the platinum palladium I trade. I think that the fact that you're not tells us a lot of what we need to know about that. Um, Christopher asking, will the contango and natural gas blunt rallies in UNG and boil? Yeah, you know, I mean, we'd much rather see it in steep backwardation if we want to be bulls in natural gas, but a lot of that premium already came out of the markets. 
you know, inventories aren't at dangerously low levels where they're going to go steep backwardation anytime soon. So we're just going to have to wrestle with what's going on and, and, and figure it. My opinion, it's not going to, it's always mother nature that, that makes up for the offset. Right. And so now mother nature is allowing for a lot of natural gas to get stored and not used because it's on the, you know, softer side of what she could be doing, which is blowing mm-hmm. zero degree temperatures across the country for weeks on end. Instead, you know, I could walk my dog in my shorts in February and there's just no, you know, there's no impetus to be long the commodity right now. Eventually, we'll get into the summer time and, you know, what was expected to be an 80 degree week will be a 95 degree week and everybody will have the air conditioning cranking. And then you'll see natural gas back on the move going the other way. Um, and it'll tighten up again and get backwardated and we'll see the whole thing. But, you know, everything is cycles with with all the commodities. Um, much less natural gas, and natural gas is the toughest one to predict or try to surf, in my opinion. So, yeah, see how it goes. And so, my takeaway from this conversation is: first of all, we, we ought to be keeping an eye on geopolitical risk. So, thank you for bringing that up. And um, and and the big one is that you're really watching the price action in the commodities that you follow so closely, um, including natural gas, to figure out whether this retracement is kind of. Um, laying the groundwork for a more serious rebound. And maybe nat gas is the tip of the spear, as you said, um, but that's going to be confirmed by price action first and foremost. That's a good recap, Maggie. That sounds good. Tony is so fantastic. Thanks for struggling through our technical stuff at the beginning. Um, Hi, it's, it's, always, it's always an adventure, um, but great to catch up with you. Thanks so much. It really was. Great job today, Maggie. Thank you. And thanks to all of you. Thanks for the fantastic questions and all the all the breaking news that you're keeping us up to date on. You guys are awesome. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with Imran, um, which is always interesting. Uh, in the meantime, take care and good luck out there. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best brightest and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.